think Bible study this week has been more informative than what the scripture this morning will be more or less of a conversation preaching about the old man and sometime, you know, putting together these scriptures and praying to God to give us something that we can get out of the message. Uh, I want to talk about who we are and what we are, that it once we realize who or what we are and see our wretchedness, and we continue to try to put that old man to death that dwelleth in us, if we are one of his born-again children, that he revives, that he revives. Tyler, the message, Jesus' salvation of his people and the destruction of his enemies. We see a twofold thing. And here the last few months I've been talking on twofold workings. Because just like the day of the Lord is a day of redemption, is a day of hope, it's a day of blessing and restoration, it's also a day of judgment. Yes, sir. A day of the vengeance of God and the light that are looking forward to the word of God shouldn't be looking forward to this day, even to a great deal of those in the church because of what it means. Reading the scripture this morning, the 12th through the 19th verse of the 59th chapter says, For our transgressions are multiplied before thee, and our sins testify against us. For our transgressions are with us, and as for our iniquities, we know them. And transgressing and lying against the Lord, and departing away from our God, speaking oppression and revolt, conceiving and uttering from the heart words of falsehood, and judgment is turned away backward and justice standeth afar off. For truth is fallen in the street, and equity cannot enter. Yea, truth faileth, and he that departed from evil making himself a prey. And the Lord saw it, and it displeased him that there was no judgment. <clears throat> and he saw that there was no man, and wondered that there was no intercessor. Therefore his arm brought salvation unto him, and his righteousness sustained him. <clears throat> For he put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation upon his head. And he put on the garments of vengeance for clothing and was clad with zeal as a cloak. According to their deeds, accordingly he will repay. Fear to his adversaries, recompense to his enemies. To the islands he will repay recompense. So shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and its glory from the rising of the sun. When the enemy shall come in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. Here and again, we're looking at a a Redeemer by a Messiah coming in because he's looked up on the earth and there was no justice. There's no one to save the people. There was no justice. And the way he had created the world, the way he had established the world, Depravity of mankind had taken it away. Truth was falling in the street and could not enter. There was no judgment or justice because of the depravity of the people. And they're confessing this. 
and verse 12, where they sing that they know of their transgressions and their iniquity and the way they were, they was in a bad fix. The depravity of man was shown. <clears throat> there had to be someone to stand in the breach of that gap that we had been talking about. But how can we look at this chapter? We're looking at the chapter. We done broke it down, but we need to look at the vengeance that's taking place because he said his arm brought him judgment. Yeah. This is something he did, but as the church, as God's people, it's something that we need to do because that's why he had created us for the purpose of good works. So we should maybe be imitating what he did here. Mm. We must be born again to do that. He's a redeemer. It talks about that 20th verse, which I didn't tackle today, because like I said, so much to unwrap here. Mm. And he says, and the redeemer shall come to Zion and unto them that turn from transgression. And Jacob says, as the Lord, as for me, this is my covenant with them, says the Lord. My spirit that is upon thee and my words which I have put in thy mouth shall not depart out of thine mouth, not of the mouth of thine seed, not of the mouth of thine seed's seed. Like I said, it needs a lot of teaching to break this down in essence because it transgress, transcend, uh, transfer over from him, the prophet saying these things, that this is the Lord, the Messiah saying these things. But then he's talking about a trajectory of the prophet of the people of God that he's redeemed and converted, that they carry this out and carry out his word that he says, my word shall not depart out of their mouth. In other words, the great commission, because it talks about my covenant with them, saith the Lord, that his spirit, and we know we have been commissioned to go out and preach the gospel, mm -hmm. yes. make disciples. So with this, that same word that redeems and draws, that same word condemns. It judges. It brings to a certain point. Now, like I said, this is a two seeds in the earth and two different people, but <clears throat> we see <clears throat> a redeemed people talking in our reading verse of Scripture there all the way at the end of the Bible. Mm. The same thing that they were saying at the beginning of the Bible in Genesis, they're saying at the end of the Bible in Revelations. From Genesis to Revelation, mankind seems as though he don't change. What are they crying or what are they howling, Pastor? It says, Revelation 6 and 10, this is after the bowl and the vile judgment, that these are dead saints. These are souls that are under the altar. And they still have that wanting to be vindicated, wanting somebody to take up their cause of what has happened to them. It says they called loudly to the Lord and said, O sovereign Lord, holy and true. They acknowledge who he is. They acknowledge that he's an avenger of blood. In other words, he's a blood relative. He's of their covenant brother. He is the one that could take this, this vengeance upon those that had put them in the condition that they are in. He's, they, they appeal to him. And that's why I say prayer must be made to, Lord, to the Lord. 
And I told you about the prayers of imprecations, a lot of them in the book of Revelations or whatever. And so you have to appeal to the right authority. And they're appealing to the Lord. He's that authority. He's the avenger of blood. I told you, he's our avenger of blood, but he's also like Boaz to Ruth. He was the redeemer. The one that can recompense and set things straight for the hard work of those that have chosen to call the Lord our God and our his people, our people. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. That's what Ruth said, and she was a Moabitess. So she was transcendent. She is of the people of the isles, the Gentiles, the heathen, those that were far away from God but were drawn by the Redeemer. These people in Revelation, though they're dead, they're seeking to be vindicated, seeking for somebody to take up for what was done to them. And that's why I say God sees what people are doing to you. A lot of times we're being used and don't know we're being used. And a lot of us so naive we can't do anything about it. But the Lord takes up your cause because he's a God of justice. It says the people says... Oh, how long will it be before you judge the people of the earth for what they've done to us? When will you avenge our blood against those living on the earth? It does not say that judgment day at the end. It says when you go avenge us on those that's living on the earth, those that's carrying on their lives, though they didn't kill some of us, though they didn't misuse us and bamboozle us and persecuted us and cheated us out of our land, of our, our material wealth, of, out of our labor, and whatever it may be. You know, and that's what I told you when we were studying the word vengeance, it has in mind retribution, recompense, indemnity, remunerations, you know, a lot of them, people don't know how they would do it. They're talking about remunerations or reparations for the slavery or what they did. I don't know how would they go about that, but everybody's looking for payback. It's like James Brown say, everybody's looking for the big payback. You need to get ready for that payback because if you're looking at God's word, he set in motion a law of sowing and reaping. Laws of sowing and reaping. His word, even all the way back from Deuteronomy to Hebrews, says every transgression shall receive this just recompense of reward. Amen. So payday is coming. Everybody go get paid for the deeds done in their body. Sometimes what we have to do is immediately appeal our case to the appointed authority God has placed upon the earth. May If it's in a family, it's the parents, you know, the father, the mother, whoever can carry out justice. It's not for one of my sons. I say, well, Dad, I'll, I'll take care of him because you're not going to do right. You know, you, they want to issue the punishment because they don't feel the punishment would be carried out. That would then or that would they would get the just satisfaction. Sometimes it's the pleasure our flesh that want to see someone receive for what they've done to us. That's not, see that's they don't receive the justice of God because of these wicked movies, and that's all television and the movies is about now. The equalizer, the revenge, or it's about retaliation. How do they pay somebody back for what they're doing or done someone? I was telling you about this show 
firing with a woman is much worse than the man because her yeah. motives are different from his motives. Her motives are motives of pleasure, or motives of vindictiveness, and her vengeance is through bitterness and uh, untoward. And as a just judge, and God would look at the two and he would weigh them, and they showed the backstory on that where, sir, he was like that. His mother wasn't a just woman. She had caused some of the way that he was doing, but he actually loved it, the the woman that he encaptured, that he enslaved or whatever. He had a love for her that shared the same and whatever literature and whatever they were doing, his was the innocent one, even though it went about achieving that the wrong way. So that's what I say, the motives in heart. And that's why we're not able to judge. And God tells us not to judge and that it falls on the proper authority. Government is one of those authorities. We look to government for uh, justice. We look to government. But just as God was looking down then and looking down now, justice of government is completely corrupt. They are lawbreakers. We are electing lawbreakers and people that's against the government. And as I told you, that's where the imprecatory songs come in at to what people has done to us or what they're doing. Second Chronicles 24 and 22 about Joash the king did not remember the kindness with Jehoiada Zechariah's father had shown him, but he murdered his son. And when Zechariah was dying, he said, May the Lord see this and require an accounting at your hands for what you've done. So we know that all of the people require, ask God to require, uh, give the person to give accounting for what they've done unto us. And I have several different examples of scripture there where the psalmists are asking for vindications from God, asking God to take vengeance to act in their behalf. In the book of Isaiah, the 41st chapter, in the 28th verse, the language is sort of differently as God is talking. I tell you, when he was talking in this chapter, it seems as though the hands were tired of the one that was making the statement. But we know God's hand is never tired, uh, that he's not slack, and he's able to do what he's supposed to do. But Isaiah 48 and I mean, 41 and 28 says, For I beheld, there was no man, even among them, and there was no counselor, that when I asked of them could answer a word. Behold, they are all vanity, their works are nothing, their molding images are wind and confusion. It's like in the book of Revelation still that he wondered that there was no mediator, no one to deliver the people. Mankind was short. He fell short. And when it says he wondered, it's just like in the book of Mark, when Jesus wondered, it says Jesus marveled at the people's unbelief. It cannot be taken literally as God or Jesus would marvel at something as if God was amazed by suddenly coming to the knowledge of the fact that somebody didn't understand or whatever, but we're to ones, he, he's speaking in a language that we can understand that as much as we preach and teach or tell our children or tell other people, it doesn't seem that we can get through. Yeah. 
They're not understanding how you marvel or, or wonder at how can someone be so dumb? How can they be so blinded or so deaf? But see, the words are right there in Scripture that God has them in that position. Yes. Isaiah seen this in the book of Isaiah, the sixth chapter, when he says <clears throat> that I had closed their ears unless they hear. Close their eyes unless they see with their eyes and understand and be converted and their sins be blotted out and I would heal them because God's word has a healing effect. Yes. But just like the lay of the sin, if God wants you blinded, naked, and wretched, no matter what you have and who you think you are and how high, high you are in the church, you could be a Pharisee in a reprobate mind. God had closed you off from him. He's hidden himself from you because of your character image. And God is working a plan and you're on the other side of the fence. You'll never see. You'll never understand. And God has to open that up for you. But God had created a number to be taken and destroyed. There's a number that won't make it, and we have to. That's why we so have to give God so much thanks and praise and adoration that he had saved us, that his grace shined upon us, and that we begin to understand, we begin to see, and that he had chosen us of all the people in the world. But he had chosen us. We hadn't chosen him. We don't have that ability. He hadn't given us that ability. God has to open up our understanding that we would be able to understand God. Yes. Job was a perfect and upright man, but yet he says, you know, I thought I knew or saw God, but now I understand. Yes. See, going through life as we didn't got older, as you get in your later years, you really start to understand and you really start to realize you didn't know what you thought you knew or whatever. And as we come to know God, we have someone that's a avenger of our rights, a avenger of our wrong, that looks at everything we're doing that it's been recorded in heaven, that he has that. It is designed to express with great emphasis that the truth that there was no one to intercede and that the wicked world is lying in a helpless condition and that we need a savior. Yes. We need someone to come in and give us a life because as it says, we grope in darkness. Each man is given to what's right in his own eyes. He's given to work in what's right in his own eyes. But as we go through here, we see that there was no intercessor. And Christ here says, his own arm, he was going to intercede. God comes in when there's no one. You know, a lot of times we need help or whatever, and we're praying, and that's, that's when we seek God with all our heart. And he says, when they cry out to me, I'll hear. Yes. Those that's being oppressed, those that things are going on with them, God hears the call when we're being pressed down, when we're looking for the truth. He's going to make it available to each and every one of us. Yes. Those that are hungering and thirsting after righteousness, his word is fulfilled. When you look for God enough, look for him with all of your heart, you'll find. You may be at the end of your boat. You may be at the end of life, but in comes God at that last minute. Therefore, his arm, it says on the meaning of this phrase, his arm, 
notes that the idea is that salvation was traced to God and him alone, that there's no intercession. But here comes Jesus Christ. He had sent him in and he says his arm wretched down. His arm retrieved us. His arm is symbolic of power. It's symbolic of the zeal of his spirit working in us and with us. It did not originate with man and was not accomplished by any agency in which he could work or do. It's of grace and of God alone. None of us. It's nothing we can do. Jameson Faust comments on that scripture of the 16th verse when it says, no man to atone by his righteousness for the uprightness of the people. That he's being emphatic that no representative man is able to retrieve or cause fallen man or to help man. That's why we have to cry out to God. And we, when we cry out to God, he comes in and he sends a preacher. And this, this is about what has happened to his preacher, what has happened to the people in which he's spoken to and have heard his word because faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Once we hear God's word, that seed, that kernel is planted, that word opens up our ears to hear. Once we hear the word of God, now we can build upon something. God comes in, he imputes his righteousness unto us. Not our own righteousness. Our righteousness is not worth it. It doesn't make an end. And that kernel, that seed that we are born again, we become one of his children in that retaliation that we are born with. Something comes in then and you see within you. Yes. You see another man. Yes. You see something else. Paul said, this thing is within my members. That's when the struggle actually starts. It says when you tempt to do good, evil is right there. Because what happens is you're born again and you rush toward God, but the Spirit is convicting you. The Spirit is convicting you. You see your depravity. You see your helplessness. You see that you can't do anything and that you've been wrong, not only wrong in what he had condemned you in, but you've been wrong all along. Paul said he's the chiefest of sinners. In other words, the more you go into God, the more God's light shine under you and he leads you in paths of righteousness, you start seeing that not only a God that can vindicate you, but a God that's convicting you of your wrongdoing in that your that word, which is a mirror, you start seeing yourself in the mirror of God's word. Yes. God's word washes and cleanses you. That's what shows you yourself. You start saying, well, that preaching was for that other individual. That was for somebody else. You start seeing this was for me. And God has came and he had apprehended me. That word has called hold on to me. And that's what causes me to grow. Now, Jesus comes to those that plead their cause. He had this unjust judge in the book of Luke that this woman felt that she was wrong and she needed a, a relief from the justice system, from the courts. Now, 
here in this psalm, Jesus uses himself analogous to the unjust judge. The judge wasn't worried about himself, but the widow was worrying her. But what he was teaching in the parable is that those that had wronged you, those things that have gone bad in your life, the opportunity that if we keep hammering, if we keep calling to God, if we keep looking unto God, yes. he will answer us. Yes. He heard you when you first started. Daniel, when Daniel prayed to him in the book of Daniel, and he said, the angel told Daniel, I heard you when you first started calling unto me 21 days ago, but there's a time factor involved. God has to see that sometimes he wants you to be persistent in prayer persisted in calling unto him. This woman kept calling unto him. It says, then the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says, I, and will not God defend and avenge his elect? Those who cry out to him day and night, will he delay it or justice on their behalf? I tell you that he will defend and avenge them quickly. However, when the son of man come, will he find faith in the earth? So as you cry out to God. He sees those that are wronging you. He sees those actions that maybe it's your relative. He says, because some of your enemies will be those of your own household. He sees those on your job that's mistreating you. He sees the mistreating that's going on. But then his word that's working in you, if in the book of Romans, that tells you, avenge not yourself that vengeance is his yes. and as you study and read the scriptures you're meditating on the scriptures day and night you're going back and studying and as, as if you have notes and things and you start looking at scriptures that says what Peter learned when reviled he reviled not again yes. so you stop talking back to people you stop murmuring and complaining you start laying it all at God's feet. This is what develops your prayer life. This is develops what you talking to God, whether it's private prayer or corporate prayer on Monday nights, but you bring it all to the altar of God. Yes. You bring it to the throne of God. You petition God, it says, with prayer and supplication, let your requests be known to God. Yes. Jesus says, that if you ask anything in my name, ask the Father anything in my name, that he will do. Yes. Now, there's a time frame in which he's, you ask, but that develops to where the least of little things, whatever anybody do to you, you bring it to God. You tell God that, not necessarily your neighbor or friends or anybody else, you bring it to the throne of grace. That's why Jesus died. That's why the intercessor came. He's your advocate with the Father. You can boldly go through the throne of grace and tell him everything all through the day, the forgiveness of sins. You remit those people's sins back to them. Says, Lord, forgive them. They, they, I was doing this and they hurt my feelings and said this. God knows your heart, and he's seen the situation. He knew your motive, whether you was being offensive, you did it for good or bad. Joseph told his brother, he says, you did it for evil. You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Mm -hmm. God changes those situations when 
People have tried to disrupt what you were doing. They misinterpreted and took it the wrong way. And a lot of times you do things out of a kind and a nice and compelling heart, but people receive it or see it the wrong way. It's Job's, like Job's friends, they so misunderstood Job, but they were his friends. They had come from some long distance to comfort Job. But Job said, you are miserable comforters are you because they were saying all the wrong things. A lot of times our relatives say things or people say things to us thinking that they're helping, but they're actually hurting. So you tell God about that. But you don't hold that against them and become bitter over those things, uh, upset. But you have to tell God about it so God can work that out so you don't hold those things against them. Because if you're not forgiving of what somebody said to you, how they mistreated you, how they gave you some injustice, if you hold that in and suppress those things, that's in unrighteousness, and you should unload those things to God. You should tell him, like I tell you, these prayers of imprecations where David had called for them to destroy the family or destroy and kill his enemies or whatever, because actually that's how you feel. God knows how you feel, so you're not hiding that from God. All things are naked before him, but you have gotten that off And when you remit someone's sins back to them, you're not holding that. You're not carrying that around for you. That's why he says he's going to take sickness away from you. You'll be surprised of the stress and the things that we're carrying around from with us because of ideology, wrong things, wrong political views, wrong things people have said. But it appealed to the old man. The old man liked to gossip. The old man liked tear The old man liked things that he shouldn't like. But God sees. And I tell you from Genesis to Revelation, here the souls under the altar in Revelation 6 and 10. And they say, Lord, how long before you avenge and judge those on the earth who had killed us, who had did these things to us? So you would take that old man to the grave with you, but your petition to God would be, as Paul did, help me, Lord, so that I can die daily that the inner man may live. This is a struggle because when I attempt to do good, evil is there. When I even sit down to prayers and my thoughts go way over here somewhere or whatever, Lord, Help me. I see myself, this enmity that lieth in me. Paul says, I see another law within my members that's bringing me into bondage. I don't want to think these thoughts. I don't want to feel like this. And these was the souls under the altar still asking for God to vindicate them, to give them vengeance of what they've done. Now, like I said, this starts from Genesis to Revelation. It started all the way back there, but God's showing you, as he said in Psalm, he puts your tears in a bottle. In other words, God knows every time someone made you cry. God knows what has been done to you. And he says, what you do to the least of these, you've done it unto me. Now, all the way back in Genesis, Genesis 4 and 6, it says, the Lord said, he's talking to Cain. Cain was thought he had gotten away with something. He says, what have you done? The voice of your brother's innocent blood is crying out to me from the ground for justice. And now you are cursed from the ground and which has opened up its mouth to receive your brother's blood. When you cultivate 
when you cultivate the ground, it shall not no longer yield its strength. It will resist producing good crops for you. So a lot of the reason things are going bad in our lives is that we didn't kill our brothers. You may not have literally killed them, but figuratively. Because God says you can't hate your brother and love God. Jesus had told us to love our enemies. Those that persecute us and treat us despitefully, we are not to kill them in the courts as Jesus. They blaspheme him and they call him Beelzebub and say he was born of fornication. So he says, blessed are you when people persecute you and say all manner of evil against you. That's when you pray for the enemies. You remember I told you it broadens your prayer life? Those that you try to witness to, those that you talk to, those on your job or wherever it be that you do good. And it's like David, Samuel, and all of them say, I hadn't failed to pray for you. When you were in trouble, when you was in desperation or something was happening, I was praying for you. But you laying traps for me in stone, we're attempting to be more Christ-like. This Christian nationalism where you want to get even and where stone for stone, we don't want to be those. We want to be the docile. We want to be the ones that's wise as serpents but harmless as doves. We want God to take up our cause. We want to do as he says, forgive them, Lord, for they know not what they do. See, God had closed their understanding off. They're hearing, they're seeing. God had shut that off. That's why Stephen was able to say, forgive them, Lord, for they know not what to do. See, so he didn't say, I'm going to get you. Or Jesus didn't say, when I come, get off this cross, I'm going to take care of you. Or when I come back. All of that's in the hands of God. Those sins are not with him. You've forgiven that person. You've remitted their sins back unto them. You're not carrying around a grudge. Joseph said he was in the place of God. He had forgotten what his brothers had did to him. Now, when we say forget in the biblical sense, we did, we're not built to where we forget things. If we forget history or whatever, we're in a bad shape. You know what people have done to you, but you're not holding it against them. You have a memory there. But that memory, Joseph says, when they said, well, dad says for you not to do this to us or whatever, it shows that they didn't, hadn't changed. And it kind of hurt Joseph to say, you know, why would you say something like that? I'm in the place of God. Yes. You have to start thinking like God. That's why he says, let that same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. That's what your thought pattern has to be. You have to have a transforming of mind. Yes. That's, that's what he's creating. You already in his likeness, but image is his character, who he is, what he's built as. That's why Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. In other words, through and through, he was in the image of God. The likeness was the physical characteristic. But the image, that's something spiritually he's doing inside of you. That's why I say he had given us the spirit. Yes, he had given us the spirit, and the spirit doeth the work. That's why it was important. He says, don't leave from Galilee until you be endued with power from on high. See, there's going to be a many that cast out devils, that heal the sick, and do all these things. And Jesus is going to say, I never knew you. 
because itself, it's them doing it. It has to be spirit-led. Those that are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. Amen. Matthew 23, the 23rd chapter of Matthew. Jesus tells the people as they come before him, and these are the Pharisees he's talking to. Matthew 23, 34-36 says, Therefore, take notice, I'm sending you prophets and wise men, that is, interpreters and teachers and scribes, men educated in the Mosaic law and the writings of the prophets. Some of them you will kill and even crucify, and some of them you will flog in your synagogues and pursue and persecute from city to city, so that on you will come the guilt of all the blood of the righteous shed on the earth, from the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah, the priest, the son of Berisha, whom you murdered between the temple and the altar. I assure you most solemnly and say to you, the judgment for all these vile and murderous deeds will come upon this generation. That's from the Amplified Version. The Amplified Version and also gave you the Living Version also in your notes. That means God is taking a record. God is taking a county of all that's being done unto you. God sees from righteous Abel all the way to Zechariah. You remember I told you about Zechariah. That's the one they killed in the Old Testament between the altars that they murdered. He said, but you are the ones. So God's keeping records. There's the books. And as Hebrew says, and as Deuteronomy says, every sin and transgressions was received is just recommend, recompense of reward. So the law of sowing and reaping, what you've done, you will have to give account for the deeds done in your body. Yes. Every man will be rewarded according to their works. There's a great white throne judgment where you have to stand before God. See, that's why, brethren in the church, the things that you do, these deeds are seeds that you are planting. You want a crop of good things to come back. That's why only good came to Jesus Christ, and it was the greatest injustice ever carried about when they murdered him on the cross because he went around doing good. That's what we're to do. We were created for good works, and that's why he created us a few was for good works. Second point, as I told you, he was our avenger of blood. And we taught and preached on the avenger of blood. That avenger of blood was a redeemer. He had to be a blood relative. That's why he was born like as of us. Through Mary, he came and he was our redeemer. Just as Boaz redeemed Ruth. Yes. Ruth was a Moabitess, but there were qualifications that I don't want to belabor now, but we have that in our teaching where Boaz was able to redeem Ruth. And that's throughout the Old Testament that he was sent to be a light unto the Gentiles. Now you remember the Moabites was had a prohibition against him, a curse where he says until the tenth generation they wasn't allowed in the temple or in the synagogue. But just as Israel was to be a light unto the people, this forecasting of Ruth, yes. this Moabitess is us, the Isles, the Gentiles. Christ had taken a Gentile bride as Joseph took uh, 
the priest of On's wife, Potiphar, had gave Joseph a Gentile bride. Joseph as a type of Christ in the church is a Gentile bride. We, we had came in. All of us come in. Mm-hmm. He was to be that light unto the Gentiles. Yes. He had brought us. He had redeemed us. But also being that redeemer, that avenger of blood, we run to him to that city of refuge. But if that redeemer, if you leave that city of refuge now and you go out amongst the people who are doing something, you were able to be killed. You know, they could legally kill you. The avenger of blood or someone could get to you. So that's why when Christians stray, when we get out of God's word, when we leave the confines of the word, a lot of us fall victim. We fall out of fellowship or become apostate. And that's when we fall victim, even though that you may be like some of the souls under the altar. And I tell you, that's why a lot of wolves has sheep clothing because there's a lot of sheep in disobedience. They lose their lives. Now. Mm-hmm. All of us won't be saved. All of us, I mean, not say all of us will be saved, but you'll be tried by fire. You'll, you'll leave out before your time. Sometimes when you disobey God, you die. But it's in, how can I say this? That a child in disobedience, the wages of sin comes upon you because we're all born to death. And if you dishonor your parents and you die, it doesn't mean that you're lost. Children of God, a lot of times, do things. That doesn't mean you're out of God. We can't tell the children of God and the children of the world because sickness come upon a whole lot of us. Yes, yes. Misfortune comes upon a lot of us. But when we stray away from God's word, sometimes God chastens us with death. I hope we understand that. There's other teachings on that. But let let me, I'm digressing too far or whatever. But we have to see him as the avenger of blood also as the ones in Revelation is that he's our advocate with the Father. He's the one we appeal to for justice, to right wrongs as this woman was appealing to the unjust judge to right the wrong being done to her. We appeal to God, the Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, to right the wrongs that's being done to us. We see David do that. We see the saints of God do this. God's word promises this. Second Thessalonians, let's read that. I have it, all three versions there on that, but I want to read the amplified version. And the reason I have it in three different things, and a lot of times I don't translate the King James Version, is just the majority of the people have the King James Bible, and a lot of them don't have access or don't have the Amplified of the Living. But I always choose one that's kind of, that I'm explaining the differences in it. It says, For after all, it is only just for God to repay with distress those who distress you and to give relief to you who are so distressed and to us as well when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in a flame of fire dealing out full and complete vengeance to those who do not know or seek God and to those who ignore and refuse to obey the gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ by choosing not to respond to him. 
These people will pay the penalty and endure the punishment of everlasting destruction, banished from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. When he comes to be glorified in the saints on that day, that is, through the changed lives of those who accepted him as Savior and have been set apart for his purpose and to be marveled at among all those who believe because of our testimony to you who was believed and trusted. So God's coming back, and, and we have that promise. A lot of the Thessalonians were looking for this in, they t- in their time, but Paul later explained to them that it may not happen in their lifetime but it was to happen in the time, the lifetime of some generations of saints. And I believe we're among that generation that would see the return of the Lord. That's why he says, will he still come back and still that they would have faith upon the earth? Yes, he's going to come back and there'll be those of us who have faith. But that's going to be a generation that we see him taking quicker vengeance and retaliation on those of us doing this time. That's why the saints of God need to have an active prayer life. That's why you don't take uh, misdeeds, you don't take justice in your own hands. You plead your case to God. God pays back. He's, you have to see this, and the stronger your faith is, sometimes you see it immediately. Sometimes you'll see these things, and I tell you a, a good number of times that I've seen justice come back to those who have did me wrong or did things against me, a punishment happened to those that does these things. There's a bright future for us if God start opening our eyes How can I say this? The compliments of being a child of God, you don't misuse that. You grow in the grace and knowledge. You don't have to be like Paul. He put a thorn in Paul's flesh where Paul wouldn't think too highly of himself. But today there are a lot of Christians, just because they name the name of Christ, they get Pharisaical about it. They think that they're more than the next person. They think they're better than someone else, and they deserve privileges of things happening to them that shouldn't happen to them. Those are Christians that complain and whine and cry about everything that happened, but there's a lot of us who grew up poor, uh, destitute, uh, in ill health or whatever, who learned to take things on the chin, who... You, me and you have known each other ever since what we were about 12 or 13 years old. Yes. I was a different person then or whatever, but the very people that may have teased you in school or said things to you, now you start to treat each other like brethren. Yes. That's what Paul said. Paul had persecuted some of those in the church and some of those that had won against them, but he wasn't expecting for himself to be treated as some king or some high and mighty person. That's why God allowed the Corinthian church. They was pretty hard on Paul. The Corinthians was pretty hard on Paul. And at one time he said he would come and prove his apostleship to them because they had chosen Cephas and some Apollos. There was a division in that. And they was talking about Paul and saying what Paul was saying and doing and that his latest letters are weighty. And Paul 
was maybe disfigured a little bit, maybe had an eyesight problem or whatever. From some of the scriptures, it's just as Jesus Christ. He wasn't as charismatic as some of the preachers was. Yes. But see, sometime in the smallest of churches or in the smallest of places, you receive the most growth because it's not on how you look, it's on what's being said. It's the word yes. of God yes. strengthening you. Are you being fed? Yes. And so Paul was feeding. That's why he chose to preach Jesus and him crucified only. Mm-hmm. But the preaching of the word is what strengthened them so they can endure persecution. They can endure suffering, but they learn as Jesus learned through suffering. That's what made him strong, that God's strength is in weakness. That's why he told Paul and he denied to heal him. And he says his strength, his grace is sufficient. So the inner man is being strengthened. Whereas the outer man is perishing. And that's what brought about the book of Romans, the seventh chapter and eighth chapter, is because a lot of us are looking for a reward in this life and it may not come in this life. Mm. A lot of us looking for wealth or something in this life, but it's so many children of God that are strengthened in the inner man and they've learned to be content with such that they have. They're teaching others and going through others, but they're seeing God vanquish or remove their enemies. They're seeing the workings of God and God's taking vengeance. So in this day and time, the people that are having their eyes opening are seeing God work miraculous things now. And others don't quite see it. They see evil prevailing. They see as the state get leaders as they're getting and people in the community with the evil and thing that's going on. We see a greater opportunity, a lot of us. Mm. We see more time because God's working to remove barriers because we asking them to remove them. The things that are coming up against us, we are learning that we're not wrestling against flesh and blood, and our weapons are not carnal. That gives us a fallback to Jesus Christ and to see Jesus Christ because all through his word, he promised to deal with the nations. He promised to deal with corruption and evil. So we relying on the promises of God because he's going to chasten us also if we're walking outside of the word of God. Judgment begins at the house of God. So I can't preach things all rosy to us in the church. I have to keep the church in a plumb line, on the plumb line, walking in righteousness, walking uprightly before God. And he makes promises as he did in Obadiah. How many of us study the book of Obadiah? It's one chapter. Obadiah says for 15 to the 16th verse, for the judgment day of the Lord draws near on all nations. As you, has, as you have done, it shall be done unto you. That is retribution. Your evil dealings will return on your own head because you drank of the wine of the wrath that God is delivering out. So a lot of us have done things. We're not trying to hold people accountable because that's God's job. So we stop looking so much as at the evil and we focus on God and the word of God. Amen. You will see people walk 
fail, fall by the wayside because he told you what? Fret not thyself because of evildoers. Yes. But what happens if you become evildoer? Don't you have to suffer a recompense? Don't God's children that walk outside of the line has to be punished because God can't be partial. Just as David colored outside of the lines, God says, because you've caused my name to be blasphemy, I'm going to have to take the life of that child. Because you murdered Uriah, he was an innocent man, the sword will never leave from your house. So the consequences was there for David. One of his sons raped the daughter. One son killed another son. But David was a man after God's own heart. We all make mistakes. That's why I say we see the mirror of God's word. As we study God's word and hunger to be filled with righteousness, we see why he rebukes us. We see why we have problems and things. It's because of us. We stop blaming everybody else, and we start saying, Lord, I walk contrary to you here. This is what I, he brings back everything in your life, what you have done. Yes. He brings back every transgression, and you repent. That's why we repent daily. We start, he starts showing us what we was, and now you see how bad you was and that you didn't have a prayer. But he's the one has given you a prayer. He's given you hope. He's given you faith. It's all in Christ Jesus. All this is in here in Christ Jesus. Now, at the revelation of Christ Jesus, he's showing you the promises that he had redeemed you and he's going to restore you. And there's better days ahead and there's a longer life ahead. There's eternal life ahead. That's what God's given you. So as God comes... Don't worry about the mega churches. Don't worry about the false prophets. Don't worry about those of your own family or whatever that's in a, maybe a different religion or denomination or whatever it be. What they're saying, you have to focus upon yourself. What makes you strong in Christ Jesus? Save yourself from this untoward generation. So in the book of Jude, one chapter again, a book with only one chapter, the book of Jude. The 8th verse through the 16th verse. Listen at this promise. If God's promising to move all of the debris that's in the way. How many of y'all watch football? They've passed a new, they have a rule in football now about retaliation. A lot of times what happens, the referee will see the person that retaliates. The referee may not see why that person is retaliating. The penalty goes against the person that retaliates because he's the person that get caught because the rules say that you're not the judge that have referees that are judges. So it's no use say, well, play the tape back and you'll see that he tripped me or he did this to me. Just as God does, God knows what's happening, but I have to punish you for your wrongdoing. God has to punish us for us our wrongdoing. Two wrongs don't make a right. We don't run to evil just because someone has done us evil. 
So they penalize the one they get caught. Most of the time, it's the one that retaliates. The referee may not even see it. But God, unlike that football referee, God see who did us something and what happened. So this is what Jesus says. Nevertheless, in the same way, these dreamers, those who are dreaming that God would not punish them, also defile the body and reject legitimate authority and revile and mock angelic magistrates. But even the archangel Michael, when he was disputing about the body of Michael, when about the body of Moses, did not bring an abusive condemnation against him, but simply said, the Lord rebuked you. In other words, he respected the authority that Satan had. A lot of us going around here rebuking the devil and doing all this. The rebuke is something that is mighty strong. You leave that to God or the elders of the church. And he says, the Lord rebuke you. Not that I'm, you have to be a messenger of God and don't go beyond the message of God. Don't go beyond what God had said. Do. He says, but these men sneer at anything which they do not understand and whatever they do not know by mere instinct, like unreasoning and irrationable beasts, by these things they are destroyed. Woe to them, for they have gone in the defiant way of Cain for profit. They have run headlong into the error of Balaam and perish in the rebellion of Korah. These men are hidden reefs of great dangers in your love feast. In other words, these people in the church, these are some of the teachings that lead you astray. False doctrine kills. There are a lot of people are following the word of God because Satan ministers have been transformed into angels of light. So there are many preachers and teachers that are teaching erroneous doctrine, teaching us things where that we should prosper in or we should be in health and condemning the things of God that God says may have should have been like that. But you want to go with the popular teaching that uh, godliness is gain, mm. that you should be healthy, wealthy, that you lack faith if these things aren't going on in your life. If certain things don't go by the way that you want them to go by, the people were doing just like they were doing in Jesus' day. Jesus says the Pharisees was hoarding away money. And they were saying that it was Corbett. And instead of helping their parents and honoring their parents with aid to their parents, they were saying that it was dedicated to the church. They called it Corbett. And he says, by your traditions, you made void the commandments of God. So you're doing everything for the church instead of honoring your parents and helping those that need help. Just because a preacher or something had explained it away differently. You remember now, the false preachers and teachers are what he's talking about destroying. The apostate churches is what he's getting rid of here now. If the blind that's leading the blind. Yes. So in this day and time, the Laodiceans could be some of your worst enemies. That's why you have to find God for yourself mm. and that you have to walk in the light as he's in the light you have to study the Word of God. That's why I give you papers so that you can go back and study to show yourself approved. Rightly dividing the Word of Truth because God doesn't take pleasure in the death of the wicked. But there are a lot of people 
that want to see calamities fall to other people. Mm. They're okaying this war and okaying all of these things, but God says, do not kill, do not escalate violence. He don't take pleasure in these things, and we should be advocating because we know. Mm. You, why do you pray for your children so hard? Because you know if they're not born again, if they're not following God, the consequences of those things. Why do you yourself be convicted or convicted when you do something wrong? Because your spirit's saying you should apologize for this. You should go back and right this wrong. You should make restitution. It gives you a conscience, and that's why in the book of Romans, as we try to close this out, in the book of Romans, what happens is that his word comes to where we judge ourselves. Mm, We begin to judge ourselves. We realize we are guilty sinners who must die. So Paul says, so I find the law in my inner self that evil is ever present with me. The one who wants to do good, he says, for I joyfully delight in the law of God in my inner self that is with my new nature, but I see another rule or law in my inner members. This thing is a part of me. Mm. I want to do good, but evil is right there present with me. I'm thinking that the very minute that I try to do the right thing, I become over-modest and think too highly of myself. Mm. Pride enters in. Pride enters in. And so I have to humble myself or else God has to humble me. Moses felt so high and proud of himself that he smote the rock and God had told him to speak to the rock. He says, shall we bring forth water for you rebels? God carried out his promises and he caused water to come from the rock. But he says, Moses, you shall not enter into the promised land because you failed to glorify me. In other words, you disobeyed me and what I told you to do. You felt yourself above the word of God, and instead of speaking to the rock, you smote the rock. God starts to do things in our lives. He begins to bless us, and we start to belittle other Christians. We start to belittle sinners. We start to be above instead of equal. Us shepherds, a lot of us, we become over-shepherds or overlord, lording it over the flock. Our job is to feed the flock. Mm, As we feed the flock, your job is to eat, to study, to give yourself to the word of God, and it's God that opens up your eyes. God giveth the increase. God deals with your enemy. God does all of these things. So we have to have the conversation between us and God. If God's our avenger and that avenger is able to take lives legally, the avenger of of blood can take lives legally and only God has the power of life and death. He doesn't put it in our hands. We have to respect the authorities that he had put in power. So governments, we have to respect governments. We can't lead rebellions against the government because that's the sword that God had put in the government's hand. 
He had put that sword in our parents' hand. We have to honor our parents or whatever. If we disobey our parents, we have a problem. So it is God that we look as, a, as our fortress, as our refuge to defend us, to venerate us, to vindicate us, to protect us. But whatever God allows, though he slay us, yet will we serve him. Because he says, in my body, in my flesh, I shall see God. Because Job was a servant of God. So everything that God allowed to come upon him, he says, if I receive good at the Lord's hand, why shouldn't I learn to receive bad? The Lord give it and the Lord take it. So you pray to God for those that, that mistreat you, that do you anything. You go back and tell that to God. He says that every request in prayer and supplication, nothing is too small to bring before God. Instead of Joshua obeying God and not make a covenant, he let the appearance of the Jebunites cause him to make a covenant with him, and they were his enemies. Sometimes we can go by sight and say, this is a small problem, I'll handle it myself. Mm. But it's the little foxes that destroy the vines. Yes. It's those things that we overlook. So let everything that you do, you take it to the Lord in prayer. Yes. You learn to be led by the Spirit of God in that he's your avenger. If someone does you something, that's who you petition to. That's who you tell God and tell him exactly how you feel. Don't suppress it because he knows it anyhow. Mm. You can't hide from God. Mm. Heavenly Fathers, we come before you this day, Lord God. We ask you to strengthen us.